Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. I hope y'all are all enjoying this fine Friday afternoon. Wanted to get this episode out to you earlier, but you know things had to happen. Had to make sure. I had to see here. Uh, you know, I had to think on this trade deadline. See how I felt. Get some things here and there. Um, unfortunately, Spells couldn't join us for this episode. He will jump on the next episode, and we will get his opinions on this trade deadline as well. We'll talk to him, but we just wanted to get an episode out to y'all as fast as possible. So it's really just going to be my opinions for right now. Like I said, we'll get his another time. Anyways, you know how it is. I'm your host, Adrian. Let's just jump right into it. Man, you know, I'm going to say the biggest trade for last. I'm going to say the biggest trade for last. The one, you know, as a Celtics fan, the ones I'm going to so start. I'm a Celtics fan, so we're going to start there today. Um, Let's start off with the very first one that the Celtics made. Uh, you have the Celtics Magic trade. The Celtics traded Bowl Bowl, P.J. Dozier, Cash, and a second-round pick, and in return got another second-round pick back. Um, honestly, this wasn't a big deal. The Celtics were just trying to move under the cap. They didn't want to pay the luxury tax this year for the team. They, I've been emphasizing that all year. The Celtics don't believe that they are true contenders this year, so they're waiting for the future. They didn't want to pay everybody this money. I knew we were going to get off a lot of contracts at the end, like at the trade deadline. We signed a lot of people on short-term deals because we are just like, let's make it through the year. Going into free agency, we'll make some moves, and then we'll try to build on top of that. The next move we made, um, actually, we made another move before this, but this is the next move I want to talk about. Uh, the Rocket Celtics, uh, we finally got off the Dennis Schroeder contract. We moved Dennis Schroeder, Enos Cantor, and Bruno Fernando, even after that monstrous dunk he had. And we got back Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice is making roughly $9 mil a year for the next, until like 2025. I mean, he's making 8 mil this year and 9 mil for the next couple years. And that's all good with me. To me, that's all good. We're bringing in Daniel Tice back. As long as we don't bring that double big lineup back, I love this trade. Um, the defense is gonna. The defense has already been fag, like fantastic. It's been amazing, and Tice brings defense, moderate floor space. He's not the best uh, shooter. He's you know he's about average to below average, but he spaces the floor somewhat. The Celtics have embraced this defensive style game plan. So this along with the trade we'll discuss next shows that we're going all in defensively. Dennis had, he had to go. He had to go. I've been saying it. If you follow me on Twitter, you saw I was tweeting the entire time. I was like, I need Dennis out of here. Dennis, his minutes were already getting cut. He wasn't playing much anymore anyway. They were, they were benching him during the fourth because it was time to move on. We, we brought in Dennis to try to build up some trade value, and nobody else wanted Dennis. So we were like, you know, we're going to bring him in, show people he can still hoop a little bit, and then move him at the trade deadline. Um, the overall consensus was that more than likely the Celtics were going to have to just trade him for like two second-round picks. But the plan changed with this like recent reawakening. Um, since the beginning of the, the new calendar year, since the beginning of 2022, uh, the Celtics are statistically the best defensive team in the NBA. We have been dominant. We, we're on like a six or seven game win streak. We've won like 14 of our last 16. We have been dominating defensively, and we have looked really good as a unit. And so Stevens, like he's saying he wants to see how this foundation like gets together and everything and see how we move. We got rid of Enos Freedom. 
who we should never brought back in the first place, but we did bring him back. I knew we had to get him out of there. He got bought out, by the way, by the Rockets. So they, we don't know if he's going to like go sign with another team or what's going to happen to Enos Freedom, but he's off this team, and that's good for me. Uh, Bruno Fernando, like I said, he, he need to move as well just to free up some cap. So we had $8 million in cap before this move. And so with the previous move that opened up and we ended up having roughly $8 million in cap, bringing in Tice fills that $8 million. And so we hit the tax. We, we just missed the luxury tax, but we hit our full cap. Like I said, he's going to start making $9 million within the next couple of years. But right now he's at eight, So it worked out perfectly for us. And then the next trade that the Celtics made, the last one that we made, was for Derek White. We traded uh, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a 2022 first, and a pick swap in 2028. And at first, I was looking at that, I was like, dang, this could possibly end up being two first-round picks. But in all actuality, we should not be worse than the San Antonio Spurs in 2028. Um, if everything keeps going well in our re- in our in Brad's vision, actually happens and everything works out well we should not be worse than the spurs in 2028 so we'll have to see what this goes um i like Derek white a lot i, I really like him and stevens ha- said in the press conference this morning that he's been wanting him on this team for years he just hasn't been able to like snatch him from greg popovich i still feel like romeo richardson could have got the job done because white even though he's a solid player his numbers aren't like that much different different than Richardson. I get he brings value in other ways. Like Richardson is a solid defender, but White is a better defender and White is a better playmaker than Richardson. So, but I feel like that's what you throw in the young player that you want to take a chance in uh, in Langford because the Spurs wanted Langford because they wanted to take a chance to see what he could become, and he hasn't really gotten his chance in Boston to show what he like he could become. But I guess I always like Derek White. He's like a shooting guard version of Market Smart. They're both very, very, very similar. Um, the only difference is, like, Derek White is slightly worse on defense. Uh, he He's not as solid as Smart, so he doesn't have the switchability to guard big men as well as Smart. But as far as guarding on a perimeter, he's, um, he's, like, just as good as Smart, if not just a little worse, but still an elite defender defensively. Um, offensively, they're very similar in how they can both play make and they're not very like they're not necessarily good shooters, but they shoot a lot of they they like they shoot threes. So it's kind of weird there. But outside of the three point shooter, Derek White is much better offensively than Marcus Smart because inside the arc, Derek White is really good. He's a good he stops and pops at that mid range. He's good inside the arc and I like him that role for the Celtics especially since the Celtics a lot of teams since we still didn't move in and get any shooters a lot of teams play two three zones against the Celtics so we need we needed like someone to be able to get there and create offensively outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and with Derek White he can get to that mid-range spot at the free throw line in the middle of the zone and hit a couple jumpers there like it can work out right there um i just really hate that we had to move that first round pick brad stevens has shown that he does not value first round picks he used one to move kimba he used one right here to get white and i mean i understand it in a way like i i value first round picks because whenever you're trying to make those big moves those blockbuster moves you need those first round picks to entice the other team and try to get these players but we're not going to be having first round picks because they we throw them away I under, like I said, I understand why we throw them away because usually rookies don't develop on this team. 
Um, it's, it's nothing against our development team, nothing against our training team or anything like that. It's just they get put in this awkward position right here to where we want them on the team, but then we don't really have room for them. Uh, think of Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith is riding away on the bench, but he also isn't getting G League minutes, so he's not really developing. He, We don't have room for him to develop and make those mistakes on the actual team because we're still trying to make Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all of them happy and somewhat make a playoff push so he can't fit in there. But he's too good to be in the G League. So we're like, he's too good to be in the G League. We're wasting him around the G League, so at least put him on the bench. So on those times where we where we have a blowout or anything like that, he gets minutes there, but that's so rare. Those are far and in between that he's just riding away on the bench. Same thing was happening with Romeo Langford. He was a lottery pick. Romeo Langford was supposed to be, like, solid, but he just, like, literally rotted away on the bench because we couldn't find ways for him to get minutes. Granted, he was injury-prone his first couple years, but when he got back healthy – we couldn't put him in. Like, he looked good and like, for stretches, but there were so many times he was just on the bench riding away because there was no room for him on that wing position. And don't be surprised. I know a lot of people are like, oh, something might know. Brooke, watch Romeo Langford. Uh, don't be surprised if in the next couple of years he becomes a 15 to 16 a game scorer in San Antonio while being a really good two-way player. Romeo Langford is really good. Like I won't, I won't say that about every every rookie we have. I'm not every I'm every young player we have. A lot of them aren't. Like as well, uh, Aaron Neesmith isn't Romeo Langford defensively. Aaron Neesmith is supposed to be a shooter. He struggles getting his shot. He's not really bringing anything outside of his shooting, and he's struggling there. So he, like I said, he's just riding away a bit. But Romeo Langford is actually really good and he just can't find those minutes. So, like I said, don't be surprised. 15 to 16 points a game in a nice two-way in San Antonio. I feel like San Antonio will have the time to develop him. They'll find a way with uh, Coach Pop, finding a way to, like, put him in the system, let him thrive. He's on. He fits the same timeline as DeJounte Murray and Keldon Johnson, so everything works right there. Um, so... Brad is obviously aware that rookies or developing players won't get run on this, so he's aiming for players on long-term deals that are already established in the league. So nobody that we traded for is um, on a short-term deal. Everybody we traded for, the two players we traded for, are both on long-term deals, like four, three to four-year deals, and everybody we traded are were on short contracts. They were all like they only have a year left or two years left. Everybody was like on a short contract, so. We were like, we, we're going and we're locking in and this is going to be our core and we're just going to run with it. Um, Daniel Tice, again, going back to that trade earlier, Jason Tatum loves them. So there's certain players you have to bring in, not just for what they do on the court, but what they do in the locker room. Jason Tatum, he loves them. He's, Daniel Tice is one of his favorite players. He's one of his favorite locker room guys. Jason Tatum made that known today in the media, too, that he really, really wanted Daniel Tice back, and he really liked Daniel Tice. He really he really loves Daniel Tice. So bringing him back, you got to make your stars happy. So that's enough with the Celtics. Let's move on. And since we, we were just talking about the Spurs, let's keep going with the Spurs. Spurs, Raptors, um, the Spurs moved Thaddeus Young and Drew Ebanks uh, with a 2022 second and received Gordon Dragic, who they bought, who they bought out. And a 2022 first and a 23 first. Uh, I I like this move for the the Spurs more so than the Raptors. The Spurs need to move Thaddeus and getting two first rounds, even if they're late, is ideal. San Antonio is obviously in rebuild mode, trying to take their young, trying to get as much young talent and picks around Murray and, and Johnson as possible. Like I said, that's why they bring in a young guy who's only like 22 years old in Langford, 
who could good young talent right there. They bought out Dragic, and I wouldn't be surprised if he pops up in Miami again. That man was at the games. He looked instead of being at a Raptors game, he he loves Miami. He loves Miami. I wouldn't be surprised if he popped back up over there. The whole thing though with that though, the Raptors needed vets, especially like big men. Because they have a young team, and the weakest position on their team is the big man spot. And Thaddeus Young can help there. Gordon Drogger obviously did not want to be there. They need to move on to him. And it's tough that they had to give up a first-round pick to move him, especially when I think that they aren't ready to contend yet. Um, Unlike the Celtics, the Raptors develop really well. And with their young talent, you see that they build up, they find time, and then they come out and they're like, oh, that player is really good. You find they, they're good at finding gems. So them giving up two firsts to bring in, to get off Gordon Dragic and bring in Thaddeus Young, that seems like a heavy price for me. But like I said, I value the first-round picks, and I don't think Thaddeus Young gets them over the hump to where it's like, Let's say if the Suns were to give up a first-round pick, you're like, oh, well, they're competing for a championship, so they don't care about young talent and first-rounders right now. I think the Raptors need to pay attention to those first, but we'll just have to see how we'll just have to see how things go. They still have their seconds, and like I said, they're good at finding gyms. So we're just going to see how it goes next year and the year after that in the drafts. Maybe they make some other moves and get some more picks, but that was just a strange move for me for them. Um, the next trade that involves the Spurs was a three-way deal between the Jazz, the Portland Trail Blazers, and obviously the San Antonio Spurs. I don't understand this for Portland because their move was weird. So the trade was the Jazz getting to kill Alexander Walker and Juancho Herman Gomez. Portland Trail Blazers get Joe Ingles, who's out for the rest of the season. They just taking his contract. Elijah Hughes in three seconds, and the Spurs get Tomas Sadoransky in a second. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers, I still feel like they should be in rebuild mode, but obviously they're not because if they were, they would have kept Alexander Walker. I know they said they're making all the cap room to make moves in the off season, but again, I ask what assets do they have? They have Simons. Yes. And they have some picks. Yes. But that's about all when it comes to a big move, like bringing in a star level talent. Yes, Nurkic is there, but Nurkic isn't getting you a star-caliber player. So I don't understand why don't one just blow this up. Portland isn't a destination for big names that just flock to, and Dame isn't necessarily a KD or a Steph or LeBron that can get any other players there and that want to just come play with him. And he's not enough to be taking these average rosters and just taking them far. Like That's not how this works. Um... Yes, I get that they get that they're trying. That's why they brought in Joe Ingles because they're like Joe Ingles. His contract ends at the end of the year, so we get more cap space. And I guess the three seconds can be attached to sweeten the deal. But this is a team we're gonna have to wait to the off season to see if they did well or fumbled this trade at the deadline. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't. Know. I feel they fumbled this trade deadline. They didn't do well at all. They need to go ahead and just move away from um, Dame. Build around. Simons and rebuild. Just rebuild. Go full rebuild mode and just see where we go. See where we go. Get these young assets and just go with it. Because uh, even with some of the like little moves that they make in the offseason, I still just think they're going to be a playoff team. They're not going to be like, why do you want to be a middle-of-the-pack team? Uh, 
six through ten seed. Like, oh yeah, we made the playoffs, so we're happy. Like, no, nobody wants to be stuck in the middle of the pack. You want to either be a champion, you want to be competing for deep playoff runs or championships, or you might as well just go ahead and rebuild. Like, I don't, I just don't understand it, especially with like giving getting rid of CJ and everything, and you didn't get that big of a package back for him. And the biggest player you got from was the nil kill Alexander Walker, and all you got was more cap space out of that. Like I just don't, I don't, I don't necessarily like what Portland's doing. Free, I can't even say free Dame because Dame wants to, he wants to struggle, he wants to stay there, and I guess he thinks he's gonna get him more respect, but nobody cares at the end of the day. In 15 years, when his career is over and they're looking back on it. Uh, people aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, shout out to Dame. He stayed with them for the entire time. He showed them love. He just never won a ring. He's not. They're not going to think of you like that. They don't think of John Stockton like that. Think of when people talk about, like, top five point guards of all time. John Stockton is the all-time leader in assists and all-time leader in steals. He, start, he starts to get pushed further and further down that list and further because he's not. he doesn't have the accolade. He doesn't have the championships. He doesn't have the achievements as some of these other players. So, even though he has, like like I said, all-time leader assists, all-time leader still, like you do, you play this game to get the ring. No one's going to care that you got these stats. No one's going to care that you got X, Y, and Z because at the end of the day, you don't have what, what, what you play for, a ring. And you stay with a team that obviously isn't, like they're, they're not, they're not, they're not showing you anything. They're not showing you any progress. They're not doing anything to make your team better. They're not doing anything like that. They have shown you for these past like 10, 11 years that they're, they're not a competent organization in bringing in like talent to surround you with. They, they, they haven't been able to do it. You're just staying there because you want to stay loyal, but it's like, for what? For what? what is loyalty going to get you? I still don't understand loyalty to a organization when those organizations don't give a damn about you. We've seen so many cases where the organization literally just flips you whenever it's convenient to them. This organization doesn't really care about you because they did. They will do better to get you talent. They they do more to get you to where you can actually compete for championships and everything like that. But they're not. You don't. You, you're not competing for championships. You're not doing. And I know it's harder for small market teams and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you're not get. There's they're not getting the job done. And if a competent, if the if you're not producing, if you game was not producing, would this organization show you the same loyalty you're showing them? No, they would not. They will, they will flip you like so fast. But you are showing loyalty to an organization who is showing you they are not competent and they cannot get the job done. But it's whatever. You don't want to run from the ground. That that's that's a stupid mentality. But go ahead and keep that mentality. Stay ringless. I don't understand it, but moving on to the Jazz. The Jazz add more depth, and with Ingles being out for the year, they need it. And them being a team that like thrives on depth, they need to move him, and they needed to add more depth. And that's what they got with Nikhil Alexander Walker and Juancho Herman Gomez. Um, the and then the Tomas Sadoransky to the Spurs. Tomas Sadoransky is an expiring contract. His contract's done after this year, and they got uh, another second. So. It's just adding cap space and getting another pick for the Spurs. Like I said, they're rebuilding, so it works out for them. Then we can jump into the Mavs Wizards. Man, the Mavs give get Bertans and Dinwiddie, and the Wizards get KP in a second. Only thing I got to say to that is free Luka, free Luka, free Luka. These Mavs fans are delusional, and I, it sickens me. They keep saying Luca's like Dirk and he's a Mav lifer, but with moves like these, he got a dip. 
He just dropped 51 last night with no help. KP was supposed to be his co-star to help Luka out, especially seeing these last two years in the playoffs. Luka been going crazy, and they can't get out the first round. And they're not going to say, oh, the organization. Think about, man, they don't even talk about Luka like that in the media no more because he's not even, like, the fancy topic no more. This man is still going crazy, putting up crazy numbers, and they don't even talk about him anymore because it's like, yeah, he's doing this, but his team's not doing nothing. Yeah, he's doing X, Y, and Z, but his team not legit. Ain't nobody worried about the Dallas Mavericks. Like, come on now. Like, I'm from, like, the, the Dallas is my home, but this is disgusting, man. Y'all got to do better. Y'all can't, y'all got a, y'all got a generational talent like Luka, and y'all can't put nothing around it. I get the first move y'all did. Y'all tried it with KP. But this second move, like, the, moving KP, this was disgusting. What, what did you gain from this trade? Like, literally, what did you, you had two ways you could have, two clear ways you could have gone. And they managed to amaze me by screwing this up. Option one, you could have used KP's max deal, uh, attached them picks, attached whatever else you needed to attach, and bring in another star to be the number two for Luka. Or you could use his contract with a pick to, like, get off of his contract, make cap room, so you can bring in a future player. You know what? They didn't do either one of those. They effed it up. They I don't I don't understand. They got off one bad contract and gained two bad contracts. How does that make sense? Why would you, you be like, okay, let's let's get off this bad contract by bringing in two other bad contracts? Those are negative assets. Negative assets. Like that doesn't make sense. Bertans is shooting 35% from the field and 31% from the three. He had his minutes cut on the Wizards. He had his minutes cut on the Wizards, and you think bringing him to Dallas was going to do any better? He doesn't play any defense. He doesn't rebound a playmate. His only job is to stretch the floor, and he hasn't been doing that since he signed his big deal. It was like five years, 90 million or whatever. Like he hasn't, ever since he signed that contract, he has been an awful shooter. Below average. Below average in all that you do is shoot threes. And if you can't do the only things that we are paying you to do, you are a negative asset and nobody's trading for that. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make sense. He's making 16 mil every year into 2025, except for I think like 2024, he's making like 17 mil. But still, basically he's still he's he's making a good amount of money till 20 2025. What does that, why would you trade for that? This doesn't help Luca. This locks in money and the way they, like, that, that, that literally changes the way they can move in the future. In the future, this will cost you extra assets that you didn't need to attach to get off these contracts. Like, nobody's trading for Bertans. Nobody's going to be like, hey, yeah, we were a championship contender. We could use some, we're, we could use 31% from the three-point line. No defense, no playmaking, no rebound from a 6'10 power forward. That doesn't make sense. That's not helping you. Like, it'd be better if you if I would be fine with them trading for like a Bertans if his contract was an expiring one so they could open up cap room to bring in help for Luca. They are literally locking themselves down so that they can't help Luca. They this is self-inflicted. So I don't want to hear Mavs fans complaining next year or this offseason or in two years or three years, like, dang, we don't got no money. We can't do anything. Well, y'all did this to yourselves. It doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, then you got Dinwiddie. Yes, Luca gets somebody to help him with the playmaking duties, but, but, but you already had that. Like, Brunson is right there. Brunson is playing well this year. 
And with the way Brunson is playing, I can't I can't imagine wanting them to share minutes on the court together. So Dinwiddie's gonna be your sixth man. I mean, I guess that's cool. But again, Dinwiddie hasn't been scoring. Like he hasn't been playing well this year. I mean, well, let me stop that. I'm starting to sound like everybody else. Dinwiddie has never been a good shooter. People are like, oh, Dinwiddie's not spacing the floor. He's having a bad shooting year, blah, blah, blah. It's just because he's he came back from injury. He's having a bad shooting year. He's a solid player. He is a solid player, but he is shooting around his average from the three. His field goal percentage is down low, but his career three-point percentage is like 31%. So he's not shooting. He's not shoot, having a bad shooting year. This is who he is. Well. Don't let one or two good years like fool. This is who he is. He's not. He is a good player. He is a good player. He can score. He can play make. He is a tall point guard, but he is not a floor spacer. So, and I know that the matter's like, let's look at the ball out of Luca's hands as much. We don't want Luca to do everything, but I would rather put a shooter that can also play make around Luca rather than a playmaker that can't shoot. How's he supposed to play off ball when he can't shoot? Getting players, if you already have a primary ball handler in Luka, you already have somebody in Jalen Brunson who can take over the secondary role. What does breaking in Dinwiddie do for you? It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for you, like unless you just wanted a backup point guard. But you're paying, he's a over, if he's our backup point guard, he's overpaid. He's making 17 mil, what's called this year, and then 18 and 19 for the next couple years. Like that, that that's not a good contract. That's not that's not what you pay a backup. He's not playing up to that contract. He's about to turn 29. He's not even gonna be there to help grow with Luca. That's not even like they're on the same timeline. The Mavs are probably <laughs> Out of all the trades and all the teams that made moves, the Mavs did the absolute worst this trade deadline. Out of every team, even the teams that didn't even make a move, you're like, dang, they need to make a move. The Mavs did worse than them. This is pathetic. I don't understand it. Like the, yeah, like pre Luca, Luca, y'all keep saying Luca's gonna be there for life. Y'all keep doing dumbass shit like this, and Luca's not gonna be here for life. I can promise you that. Now to the Washington Wizards. They won. They won. I didn't I didn't think they would be able to move that awful contract of Bertans. I knew they had to move Dinwiddie because he was getting into it with Bill and everything like that. And he was having a down like overall year, not just shooting wise, just overall. But they got the better player. They needed a true second option. Yes, Kuz was cool, but he'd be a better third option in my opinion. Um, the Wizards with Denny and Rui playing better now have Casey. I mean, actually Casey KP down there to protect the paint. Porzingis can, you know, he can do something. Like even though he's got to get healthy, I know he's injury prone and everything. But Porzingis is still the best player out of this trade, and they got off their two bad contracts. So I think this is a win in my opinion. They're trying to show Bill one last desperation move to get him to stay, get him to resign, and just be a Wizard for life. And we're going to see if it works. We're going to see if it works this offseason. But, like, shout-out to the Wizards. Uh, speaking of Wizards, we still got one more trade with them. I think what was it with the Hornets, uh, they traded Trez, and they got Ish Smith and Vernon Carey. Um, the Hornets need a big. They got one. I would have preferred them to get a defensive one. Uh, I know they already have Plumlee there, but Plumlee is garbage. Plumlee, literally, they run the pick-and-roll with Plumlee, and Plumlee doesn't even try to dunk it or score off the pick-and-roll. That's why they started doing pick and roll with Miles Bridges. Uh, Trez brings 
instant offense. That pick and roll is going to work fast pace. This is a fast paced offensive heavy like team, and I think Trez fits it perfectly. I just think Trez would have been better if they. It would have been better if they got a defensive big and Trez, and just had them like alternate depending on the situation, depending on their play style. But this is a good band aid for right now. Uh, the Wizards had to make room for Porzingis, and with Dinwiddie gone, they now needed another point guard to help the offense. And they got a they got their backup point guard back. Ish Smith looked really good with the Wizards before him. He's not really spacing the floor, but you know he's fast. He can play made. He can get to that paint and everything like that. So. I mean, both teams answered their needs as well, and so, like, the, they also got, they also are getting a chance to take on, like, they're taking a chance on a young big that's more on their timeline on Denny and Rui than he was, like, with the Hornets, because the Hornets are young, but they're also trying to compete. The Wizards are obviously not that good right now, and they're trying to rebuild. Well, they're not rebuilding, but they're kind of rebuilding, because they're going to be a lottery team this year, but, so, Vernon Carey fits more of their timeline. Then you have the Pacers, uh, Suns, Jalen Smith in a second to the Pacers for Torrey Craig to the Suns. This is a pretty standard one. Pacers get a young big that was being the show promise, and the Suns get a solid role player to add depth to both teams. Like, um, I'm talking too bad. Uh, the Suns get a, so they get a player to add depth because the Suns are a team that thrives on depth just like the Jazz. Uh, they get somebody to add death. Both teams get someone they need. They both get someone that meets their timelines. Then you have the second to last one we had, uh, the Kings, Bucks, Clippers, and Pistons. The Kings get uh, White Dante, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Bucks get Ibaka, uh, two seconds in cash. Clippers get Rodney Hood, Simi Ojale, and the Pistons get Bagley. Kings are still trying to add depth to make a playoff push. Adding White Dante is definitely the right move to get there. Trey Lyles and Josh Jackson are kind of whatever there. I'm not sure how much they contribute there. Uh, we're just going to watch and see. The Bucks add the power. Like, the Bucks with this small move right here, it's a small move, but it's a big move. Um, this is the best possible player to replace Lopez. This is scary to have Ibaka at the five, Giannis at the four, and I'm not looking forward to watching the Celtics play him or watching any team play him because this is going to be scary. They not only came out with a defensive floor spacer, but two seconds and cast. The, the Bucks definitely won this trade out of everybody. They got they they did the best out of everybody. That's scary to think of Ibaka with Giannis, Andrew Holiday. That is a defensive monster. Like that's a like, that's scary defensively. Um. Clippers get Rodney Hood to add more wing scoring while their stars are out. They needed more shot creation, and excuse me, Rodney provides that. They also add Simi, which is more salary filler because Simi Ojale is not really doing anything at this point. And then the Pistons make the biggest like move, giving my man Bagley a shot. On this rebuilding team with playmakers like Kimmy and Hayes and Kate Cunningham, I think Bagley going to look good. He needs a change of scenery. His pops knew he needed a chain of scenery, and I can't wait to watch him suit up. This is probably the player I'm looking most forward to playing outside this next trade. This is the player I'm looking forward to playing the most. And the last trade, the biggest trade of the day. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers made the moves everybody thought they were going to make. 
But the pieces are a little different. I remember Maury was like, nah, I think Ben Simmons for Harden straight up should be fine because Harden not even look good no more. And they were like, the Nets hung up. And then you get stuff about them again calling. And there was so many times, you saw so many ports, like Philly was trying to pitch offers, the Nets hanging up. The Nets like, hey, we give you this if you give us this, this, and that. Then, then the Philly hanging up. And then, because, you know, the Nets wanted Matisse Thibel and everything and get the, the defense and stuff. And they were like, no, we're not giving up Thibel. So I think this is good that they didn't have to give Thibel. Um, but... I still think the Nets came out on top. They get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, an unprotected first-round pick in 2022, and a 27 pick, like first-round pick. Uh, That's pretty crazy. They get two first-round picks and two other players just for Harden, and that's kind of crazy. I say if these two match up, I say Nets and six. Nets and six. Nets and six. With or without Kai, Nets and six. Kai, Seth, Harris, Simmons, and KD. Now, that's a fast-paced offense with Simmons, who thrives in the, the full court. Man, that's must-see TV. That's a death lineup. And I have said for years and years and years that Ben Simmons should be in a Draymond Green um role, but he is an all-star level Draymond Green. Like, Draymond, I know he's an all-star, but he is a bad, much better version of Draymond Green if you put him in that role. I want to go and state the trade for Simmons. Y'all heard it back on the podcast like a couple years ago when I was like, yo, go and say you need to trade for Simmons. Give up that um, second pick that they had for Wiseman plus the draft picks they had last year and make a move for Simmons, especially when they were talking about shopping Simmons and everything. I was like, make a move for Simmons. Have him be your new Draymond, and it's going to look scary. Like, that's, that's going to be looking good. But they didn't obviously make it. Um, the 76ers wanted him to reach I know they wanted him to reach his potential. They wanted him to be the next magic, the next LeBron, but that's not who he wanted to be. That's not who Simmons wanted to be. Simmons doesn't want to have to go out there and score a lot. He wants to go out there and play defense, play make, and play the way he wants to do. He wants to do him. And on this team he can do that. He's the player I want to see the most. And I know people are still beating a dead horse with the playoff jokes. But I'm ready to see him come back and prove everybody wrong. Like I said, not only did they get Simmons, but they got one of the top five most efficient three-point shooters of all time in Seth Curry, two first-round picks, and Andre Drummond, who can assist their bench unit because they struggle at the big. They struggle at the big spot, and he can slide there on the bench unit and help get boards and everything like that. I just I, I just think that the Nets came out on top, and Simmons, is gonna, he's going he's gonna to come out there. He's going to look real good. And I can't wait to see him play. The 76ers get Harden, and Harden better show out. He better show out. He, I, Like I said, he better show out. We saw how KD was in that all-star draft yesterday, last night. He looked like he wasn't even messing with Harden no more. He was like, he he didn't want to draft Harden. They were talking about he just kind of like looked away. He didn't, he didn't want nothing to do with Harden again. And so it is what it is. Harden better show out. And I think this move works because they need a shot creation and playmaking, and B does not have to worry about Harden getting in his way. They kept their defensive monster in Thibault to offset Harden's perimeter defense. They kept their young guard, Maxi. He's going to be an elite six-man now. I like the 76, but I think the tra- the Nets won this trade by a mile. At least Harden opted into I think it was like what his $40 million option. And so they even if they don't do anything this year, they can go into the – offseason add some more and then come back next year still with the running back with Harden and B. but if he can't get it here I don't know what else Harden can do to get this chip like I like Harden a lot but at some point we got to say something about it 
in Houston, it was Harden can't play with Dwight because Dwight in the way, and everybody was chastising, chastising Dwight and everything, and talking bad about Dwight. And then what's called they bring in Chris Paul. That don't work. And then everybody's talking about Chris Paul wash. We saw him go to OKC ball out. And then you see him out there in Phoenix showing out. You're like, damn, Chris Paul not washed. Chris Paul just had a 19 assist game last night. I think it was like 18 or 19 assists. It was like 17, like 19. He went crazy last night. And yeah, I'm like, oh, so Chris Paul's not washed. So he's not the problem. He's Chris Paul's legit. And then you see him with Russ. And I mean, no disrespect to Russ. Russ did Russ Russ had his best year in a while over there with Houston. But obviously Russ isn't the best example because he's been struggling himself. He went to Washington. He struggled at first, but he started balling out. Then he struggled over there. He's struggling right now with the Lakers. So it is what it is there. And then he gets to the Nets and he's struggling with Katie and Kai. And I understand it because that man really wants a championship bad. Harden really wants a championship because he knows if he can get that championship, Harden can slip in to a top three shooting guard of all time. He can move past Wade if he can get a ring and he contributes heavily to the ring. Like, I'm not talking about just one ring. And I'm saying, like, if he wins a ring or two, he can he can make that argument to him over Wade. Obviously, Wade was a much better defender. Wade led his team to that championship young, and Wade has three. But I'm just saying, cause you look at the, when you look at the numbers, you look at MVP, you look at stuff like that. You start building Harden's resume, like with his scoring. You're like, hey, he was such a much better scorer. I know if he weighs all, I mean, his defensive was better, but playmaking and scoring, you can argue that Harden's better. So Harden knows he could be a top three shooting guard of all time, and depending on who you're talking to, definitely a top five. But he can make the argument for top three if he gets these rings. So he needs those rings. So I get why he had beef in Brooklyn, especially with, like, he's like, okay, we have a chance. We can do everything. Last year, we couldn't really do anything because he got hurt and Kai got hurt. It is what it is. Let's run it back and see what we can do. But then Kai not wanting to play because not getting the shot, so he can't play. And then everything like that. You don't know how the lineup's going. They're dealing with injuries. They're going in and out. It's really just him and KD. And then KD go down. And then KD really carrying them because Harden was struggling at first. And then Harden started stepping back up. And then KD go down and Harden like, man, I ain't signed up for this. I didn't sign up to be like one of the main guys. He said, I wanted like Harden when he came here, he wanted to take a back seat. He wanted to play point guard and just orchestrate the offense. He wanted to be like an 18 and 10 guy chilling, taking a back seat, letting y'all shine. Because he, he was like, for his whole career, you saw how he was in Houston. They burnt him out. That man dropping 36 a game, just cooking and everything. That man needed a break. He needed a break. So you see stuff like that. You're like, okay, he wanted to take a step back. And he was ready to take a step back. He thought he was taking a step back with Katie and Kyle. But then they only ended up playing 16 games together. I think they said, I saw the side said they went 13 and three in those games. And he sees that. He's like, dang, I don't even want to be here. If this is, if this is not going to give me this chip, why am I dealing with this, bro? Get the shot. We got to get healthy. Let's go win this chip. Like, I'm trying to – y'all told me to come here because y'all told me we were going to win this chip. None of y'all BSing, so I need – and I'm trying to get this chip and everything. Y'all got rings. I don't got a ring, so I need y'all to treat this like – put yourselves in my shoes like y'all don't got a ring yet and go all in with me. This is all I'm asking because y'all asked me to come here. And they can't do that, and I know – KD feels the type of way because he's like, he feels like Harden's taking the easy way out. And Harden, 
feels like they weren't as serious as he was to try to win this chip. So it is what it is. So I hope he can thrive in Philly and try to get that chip. But if he still, if it don't work with Embiid now too, then at some point we got to say Harden the problem. And that's just is what it is. But anyways, you know, this was a day. I thought this was going to be a short episode, but you know how I'd be. I'd be in here rambling. I'd be here talking. i go on little tangents. That's why we need to keep spells here to keep me in line and everything. But anyways, this has been another episode of the Ask the Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.